we're lucky enough to be able to uh, rent in Bondi a couple of years ago. That was a lifestyle choice, but we still rented because it didn't make sense to us to buy an apartment there. Um, but not everyone may value that, you know. You may actually be in a location, kind of metro-y area, and all of your family are there, and you don't necessarily want to, like, pack up and move into state or overseas or go somewhere else. You want to be able to stay there, but you can't afford to buy a home. And I think this is a situation a lot of people are in right now. But they kind of demonise the idea of consistently renting. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Dash Insider, the auditory epicenter for passionate property investors seeking a life of freedom, choice and abundance. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about rent vesting. In fact, we're going to be talking about why rent vesting might in, might be the secret that you need to scaling your property portfolio and in fact, living a better life. And to cover that topic today, I'm very excited to be jo- excited to be joined by my co-pilot in business and in life, Gabby Billing. Gabby, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Awesome. I'm excited to dig into this topic today with you because you and I are massive proponents of rent vesting. In fact, we are renters and we may very well be lifelong renters. Who knows? Because we believe so deeply in the value of renting and investing where it makes sense. But Gabby, I'd love to know why are you interested in this topic? Well, in the intro, you said a little line about um, living better lives, basically. And I think particularly in Australia, as we're growing up, there's the great Australian dream of owning your own home at some point, right? Everyone's kind of it's just inherently learned throughout our environment and, and our community and our family passed down to eventually construct our lives so that we can get to a point that we have enough money that we can buy a home, right? And I'm not saying that that's a wrong dream. I'm just saying that that's a, a common dream for a lot of people. Um, and I don't think people, a lot of people don't really expand their thinking beyond that and think more creatively about what is actually going to make me happy. And they think about just trying to get towards this goal and having this belief that that's something that they, be careful with my words here, uh, are entitled to in some in some degree, right? People, a lot of Australians feel like if they work hard, then they deserve to own a home, right? Again, if that's your belief, that's totally fine. But not enough people may be thinking creatively about what is actually going to make me happy. Is owning a home actually going to make me happy? Perhaps I can actually live somewhere that is going to make me happy and is going to enrich my experience as a human living my life and rent somewhere that is actually going to help facilitate that, but then not ignoring the wealth part, right? Thinking about how I can actually improve my wealth situation. So how do we do that? Obviously, uh, property is an amazing way to build someone's wealth. So instead of thinking about investing in a home, where can we put our money in other locations whilst we rent where we want to live? And so I just think it's a more and more commentary in the media, I guess, about housing affordability because housing affordability is getting harder for people. Housing affordability is getting harder for people. And it's I think it's going to get easier for people to slip into this mindset of property investing is not for me because I cannot afford a home. And I really want people to think about you can still potentially do this, but just broadening your horizons and thinking about investing in places that you can afford to that are still good investments, right? You work with the right partners, you invest in the right locations, you invest in the right assets. They're still good investments, but actually doing it that way rather than just 
writing yourself off altogether from investing in property because homes where you want to live are getting more expensive. So it's this kind of shifting of a mindset to thinking about, okay, I can still invest in property, but how do I invest maybe not in the town that I grew up in or the town that I've always wanted to live in? How can I think somewhere else in Australia, there must be somewhere that I could put my money that's going to give me a good return whilst I can also go and live somewhere where I actually want to live and live a life that I enjoy. Does that make sense? It makes total it makes total sense to me. It's very interesting that we went directly to the how to live a better life angle because like there's a real and it's great. It's great. And so um what's what's interesting though is that you know, when a lot of people are thinking about this kind of stuff, they're thinking about it from a financial perspective. What is also true, though, is this can lead to great lifestyle benefits as well. But before we kind of progress any further, I want to just take a little step back and talk about what is rent vesting. Because somebody might be listening to this for the very first time and being, and sort of like, it might be a new thing for them to, to hear. So the concept of rent vesting is to rent where you want to live and invest where it is the best place to invest based on what you can afford and also what's going to give you the best returns. Now, the, the fact of the matter is the, the median house price in Australia, well, I don't, know, I don't know, it's roughly about a million bucks, whatever it is, right? So don't, don't quote me. It's roughly about a million bucks. But the fact is most people statistically live in the centres where that median house price is about a million bucks because they're the major population centres, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, et cetera, right? And so therefore, most people desire to live in locations where they actually probably can't really afford to buy a home anymore. Home, home ownership affordability is, it's bad. Like it's not good. It's only getting worse. You and I are seeing that. We talk about it all the time. We're trying to find ways to help help make that situation better for people. But home ownership uh, affordability is getting worse. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of driving factors. It's not uh, it's not because of property investors. It's because there's not enough properties and there's too many people and or there's heaps of other driving factors around that. But nonetheless, you know, if you want to live in Sydney or Melbourne and if you are a younger person or if you if you're in a, a point in your life, you don't even have to be a younger person. If you're in a point of life where you aren't as um, economically advanced as you had hoped, and you're kind of like maybe you've got a low deposit, maybe a lower income, the idea of owning your own home can suddenly start to feel further and further out of reach. And so, but that might mean you you may want to live in Sydney or Melbourne, for example. You may not want to just go. Well, where can I move where I can buy a property? Maybe I can. Maybe I'm. I don't want to have to move out to the country, for example, to buy just because I can afford to buy a house there. Well, you don't need to. You know, the the fact of the matter is, most properties in those major capitals are low yield, negatively geared uh, properties, which would cost a lot to hold anyway. And so, it's actually more cost effective for you to rent in those locations than it is for you to own in those locations anyway. I remember speaking to your brother um, a few years ago. And asking him because he's a bit younger, um, hey, what, like, have you ever thought about property investing? And uh, and you know, what are your thoughts on that? And he said, oh, you know. And I said, well, and what do your friends think about it? He's like, well, basically, houses cost a million dollars, and none of us have got that much money, so we all figure we'll just invest in crypto and stuff instead. And there's this pervasive idea that 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 is that's it. Houses cost a million dollars. It's like, well, that's the gold fishbowl that you're in, so to speak. But that's not actually the reality for, across the the rest of the country. And so. You've got this situation where a lot of people live in an environment where the cost of property ownership is exceptionally high. Therefore, they assume that they can't afford to get into property. Therefore, they assume that they don't have any options available to them rather than seeing it as a an opportunity. An opportunity to say, well, I want to live in Bondi Beach, for example, or wherever the, wherever it may be, but I also want to put, get my money to work for me in the most cost-effective way. 
And so the idea of rent vesting is renting where you want to live, either because you've got the best job opportunities or the best lifestyle opportunities or whatever, and then investing where it is the best place to invest. And again, for a lot of people, that's like living in Melbourne and Sydney and then investing in other parts of the country, or it could mean renting somewhere in a little coastal town just because you like the lifestyle, but that might not make a good investment decision and then investing wherever it makes sense as well. And it's really separating these ideas of investment and lifestyle and doing it in a way that actually creates a greater net benefit. And I think that's a really interesting thing, right? Because you can, more often than not, you can rent for less than it would cost for you to, for you to own that same property. And dep- well, it depends on where you are, right? So rent vesting makes sense when when the cost of renting is le- costs less than the cost of home ownership in that area. And then you can go and put that surplus capital to work in a place where you're going to get greater returns, which means you can kind of have your cake and eat it too. You can make more money and live a better life. And I think that you know the whole context around property investing is create a better life. It's not see who can make the most amount of money. The, the function of the wealth creation, the function of the making money side of things is to functionally create the life that you want. And so if there was a strategy or a, a way of thinking that would allow you to create the life you want and also succeed on the money-making side of things, would that not be a good way to go? So um, I think, did that kind of, do you think that's a good kind of breakdown synopsis of the of rent vesting? Yeah, I love it. So what I find really interesting uh, about this as well is when you own a home, a lot of, what a lot of people don't think about, they, if you just look purely at the costs, that's one thing. But you've also got to think about what is your potential for economic advancement. And so what I mean by that is if you buy a home, do you actually have the ability to go and buy an investment property after that? And what a lot of people don't think about is the non-income producing debt side of things. Right? So let's say all things being equal, you could buy an investment property or buy a home. Which one would be the better move if you wanted to build wealth? Well, the better move would be to buy an investment property and rent because if you buy, because at least that's going to be income producing debt, which is going to then allow you to continue to borrow versus buying a home where it's going to be non-income producing debt and you might not actually be able to buy anything else for years to come. And that's what one of the biggest problems that I see with a lot of people is they get caught up on this, this kind of great Australian dream. And you touched on this as well. And I think it's a great thing to, to kind of point out. The, 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 the American dream, so to speak, is that anyone can become anything um, if you work hard enough. That's kind of the, the general idea for the American dream. Anyone can work their way to success. Uh, the great Australian dream is uh, that every family should have a quarter acre block in a backyard and so they can have free range kids and all of that kind of stuff. And that's, that's fine. That's fine. But like, who says that that's the reality, right? Who, who's, who says that that needs to be the reality? And that might be a nice idea, but I don't know about you. I've, I've been to a lot of kind of cookie-cutter, developer-built um, suburban areas where they are, are like thousands of these quarter-acre block houses all lined up next to each other. And they're kind of like, none of that feels very exciting or appealing to me. And if you go back far enough, once upon a time in Australia, the way that you, um, you, the way that you got real estate in Australia is you selected it. You literally drew a string, pulled a string around it and said, I'm selecting this block of land. And so- my point of that reference is that times change. Like once upon a time, you just said, "All right, I'm just gonna I'm gonna draw a line around this, and that's mine. I've selected it now." And then it progressed to like uh, everyone should have a family home with the backyard. It's like, well, who says that that's the reality? And I think that the more people are prepared to challenge the status quo and say, "Well, what does the reality need to be for me? What's more important? 
is it more important that I've got the freedom to do what I want and to have the mobility to do what I want or not? And I see a lot of people who buy homes end up being stuck in a situation where they're like, well, I can't travel. I can't do this. I've got these obligations. They get stuck in rooted in one place, which might actually not be them becoming their most actualized self. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, like, to be fair, there are a lot of people that genuinely want that. And it's fine too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, you don't let me tell anyone what their dreams should be. No, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, and I think we're a little bit biased because that's not part of our value system, but there are a lot of people that do, that do value that. And so just going back to what I was saying earlier, I went straight into like lifestyle and you can live a better life because again, that's part of what our value, you know, we were living in a place we didn't enjoy in Melbourne. We decided, hey, we want to live, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to uh, rent in Bondi a couple of years ago. That was a lifestyle choice, but we still rented because it didn't make sense to us to buy an apartment there. Um, but not everyone may value that, you know. You may actually be in a location, kind of metro-y area, and all of your family are there, and you don't necessarily want to, like, pack up and move into state or overseas or go somewhere else. You want to be able to stay there, but you can't afford to buy a home. And I think this is a situation a lot of people are in right now, but they kind of demonize the idea of consistently renting. And I've been trying to process why, like, because there's this inbuilt- I know why. Why? Why do you think? Because because there's a narrative that rent money is dead money. That's the narrative. So people, so there's a- and I've heard it so many times, oh, don't rent, it's dead money. You're just, you're just giving money to the landlords. You're just spending money yeah. and you get nothing in return for it. And Why would I pay them level, money when I can put it back yeah, into my own property? On, yeah. on one level, it's true. On one level, it is true. So let's say let's say your rent is, I don't know, let's just, for simplicity's sake, let's say it's $3,000 a month, right? Um, let's, buy, let's say you're spending, and some people are going to be more or less than that, but that's not the point. Let's say it's $3,000 a month. You're spending $3,000 a month. That's not going directly into an investment that is growing in value or delivering you any kind of a yield, right? And so on the one hand, yep, it's an expense to live there. But on the other hand, what you need to consider is um, the amount of money that you could be saving in that scenario versus the actual cost of ownership, right? And there's the delta in there where it can actually make a lot more sense, but it's this belief. And also, you also got to think about investment from different perspectives too. And sorry to to hijack um, your narrative there, you've got to think about investment in different ways as well, right? Because return on investment isn't just financial. Return on investment is things like happiness and fulfillment. So for example, right now, you and I are renting an apartment um, in Thailand and it's overlooking the ocean and it's awesome. I don't think that that's dead money at all. Every single day I wake up here and I'm like, man, this is sick. Like I, I can't believe... I can't believe that we get to live in this place for like what we pay in rent is um, by some metrics a lot and by some metrics not a lot, but it's, I think it's, a, but I, I think to myself, I'm like, I can't believe that we get this return and fulfillment and happiness from the amount of money we pay. I'm like, that is money well spent. I'm like, I would spend that money. I'm like, let's sign a five-year lease. So, like I've been saying to you, I'm like, let's, I also want to sign a 10-year lease. I'm like, this is the best <laughs> money. It's the best money that I think we've Good ever investment, spent. Good investment, right? Good it's investment. great. It's a great investment. And so the point on that is to think about all of these other aspects of uh, of return. So return on fulfillment, for example. But the reason, back to your point, and just got to bring back to the narrative, that a lot of people think that rent money is dead money. And that's why they're like, oh, you shouldn't rent. It's bad. It's like, well- I don't know. Like, if the cost of renting is three thousand dollars a month, and the cost of ownership of that same property is, let's say, six thousand dollars a month, 
I don't know. What's the smart move? What do you think? I'm just processing this. Do you think there's any element to this where almost like a hierarchy of needs thing where because you are you and I are in a better financial position than a lot of people, um, that we have the privilege, I guess, to be able to even measure that return on enjoyment and a return on life, whereas maybe other people are still focused on that. If I'm going to invest anything, what I'm looking at is the financial return. Do you think that plays into it at all? Well, I think I think that that is true. I think that that is true. So let's, let's take the conversation on a different tack then because that may be very relevant, right? And uh, what you just said. And um, I think that's a place that people can get to, but let's say it's a place that they're not at. Let's say they're on a place where they're like, I just cannot work out how to get ahead. Property prices keep going up faster than wages do. Fact, right? Let's not beat around the bush here. It's not pretty. In fact, Gabby, you and I were just discussing the other day that um, back when we started Dashdot, the average amount of capital required to get started to you know work with us to invest or whatever, the total amount of money required was about fifty thousand um, dollars. It's now closer to eighty eighty five thousand dollars, and the reason for that, by the way, is because property prices have gone up, and so and that's only going to get worse in two years. It's probably going to be a hundred thousand dollars is going to be the minimum entry point, and so but the problem is wages aren't keeping up with that, and so if you're in a position where you're like you're feeling like I can't just I. I'm drowning here and I'm never going to get further ahead. Then switching gears, right, to go, okay, well, how do you get out of the quicksand in the fastest possible way? That's actually a really smart move, right, to, to be thinking about that. So then the smart move would be find the cheapest place that you can rent that you feel like you can tolerate, basically, right? And for some people, that's going to be renting a room in their parents' house. We've actually had a lot of investors who have worked with Dashdot who have done that as a strategic move. They moved back home and they said, hey, mum and dad, I'm going to move back home for four years, build a property portfolio, then move out. So we've seen a lot of people do that at various ages, I might add. We've had people in their 30s uh, doing the same thing. Um, but it's basically rent the cheapest place that you can that, that you can tolerate. So you can maximize the amount of available capital that you've got to invest. Then you don't need to worry about investing in million-dollar properties in Sydney or Melbourne because there's plenty of places where you can invest in properties for, you know, so- so it's, get, it's a little tougher at the moment in this because sort of sub four hundred thousand dollar price point, but let's say three hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars, right? So you can get into the market and then you can get your money working for you. Because the hardest part is getting started. Once you get started, then you have a flywheel. You have you have assets that are growing for you. And so from a strategic maneuver, it's actually way smarter to try and get your money to work for you in a way that's going to give you the ability to continue to leverage that capital and continue to move forward. Because Let's say you've got $75,000 uh, of cash. That may be enough for you to get into your first property at, let's say, $375,000. Right? Have you got a calculator going Uh I do, but I'm only using that <laughs> for some number of references because I haven't worked out how to, how to integrate awesome. into this part of the conversation. Love calculator but, goose. But um, <laughs> no, I, no, 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 I don't actually have a calculator. I've, I've got your rent vesting no, calculator rent open, but awesome. we'll get to that Even in Even better. <laughs> But let's say you've got $75,000 available to you. That could be enough to get you into a $375,000 house, but it won't be enough to get you into a $1 million house. Now, if you tried to continue to save until you could get into a $1 million property, I'm sorry to tell you, you might not get there. I don't, want to be the, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the reality is prices are going to go up probably faster than you can save. So you're going to, you're going to save and save and save, and you're probably just going to be chasing a dream that you're never going to get to. However... If you bought the $375,000 house, right, and if that grew, let's say by 10%, 
or let's say it grew by 20%, just, be, just to be a little bit more uh, ambitious, let's say it's over two years, right? You could then refinance out your original deposit plus some, then go and buy another property. That grows by 20%. Let's say it takes two years to do that, just to be a little bit conservative, right? And then again, you do the same. And so before you know it, in sort of three to five years, you know, you could have yourself five properties. Now, if you can get to five properties, that's what we consider hitting save. That's what we consider getting to a place of financial security, where you've got enough assets that you don't need to be worried anymore. At that point, you can start thinking about lifestyle changes. Like, okay, do I want to live in a more expensive uh, place? Do I want to pay more for rent? All of this kind of stuff. Now, doing this as well, by the way, is going to allow you to accelerate your capital faster than the rate of the property market. Because if you buy one property, then your wealth is going to grow roughly at the rate that the property market grows. If you have two properties, your capital is growing. You've got twice as much capital growing. So it's growing faster than your actual capital is growing faster than the, the individual rate of property and so, so on and so forth. And so when you get to three, five properties, your wealth is increasing faster than the general property market is increasing because you've got more assets. And so when that starts to happen, you start to have more options. That is how you get to a place where you can build up enough equity in your portfolio over time that you can then take that out to buy your dream home. Because a lot of people want to, when a lot of people think about rent vesting, they're like, oh, does that mean I'm going to be a renter forever? Does that mean I'm never going to own my own home? It's like, no, no, you can use this as a maneuver to get to your own home. The, and the, the reality is you, your, your dream home is probably somewhere between $1 and $2 million right now, maybe more in a couple of years' time, right now. And so in order to get to that point, you need a pretty significant amount of capital. And so the only way you're going to build that capital is by getting invested in a diverse portfolio of real estate. It's going to grow your wealth faster than the rate of property growth. Otherwise, you'll never catch up. And so getting into the market, using rent vesting as a tool to get into the market sooner is, is a far better move. Now, that doesn't discount all the lifestyle benefits, which I think are a huge reason to do it, but that actually does point to the specific uh, financial benefits. But um, Gabby, you built a rent vesting calculator. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus here, but um, do you, is that something you could talk, talk us through? Because I'd love to link this in the show notes as well so people can... Um, People it can is use for sure. Just before we get to that, um, what just came to mind as you were talking there, because I think what we're trying to highlight here is that prices are likely to keep, you know, from the general perspective, getting away from people. They're gonna uh, homes are gonna keep getting more expensive. If you look back over any number of <laughs> years in the Australian, like in Australian history, you know, you hear stories of years ago, decades ago, what people were paying for homes. It's like that. It's going to keep trending upwards, right? Just generally trend line up. And if you get if you get stuck and you just don't do anything, it's just going to get harder for you. And things are going to get more expensive, and it's going to get harder and harder. And so the earlier that you can get in and try and throw that lasso out of the mud and try and pull yourself into another situation where at least you have something that is growing for you, being this, you know, investing part of rent vesting, um, then you give yourself at least some optionality. So the, there's a case study that comes to mind. Um, one of our clients, I heard a story the other week, who he bought a property with us, I think it was two or three years ago. Um, and recently we did a uh, performance review on it and it's grown by 200 grand. I think it was like 350,000 he paid for it and it's now like 550, or something. Um, and which is amazing and so you know, he's just- Is that an- that one in Tasmania? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was that grew by 300,000. So, it was- th- that was 300,000? Yeah, yeah. 350 to 650. Right. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure because I remember it had a six wow. in front of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 
I did think like maybe not sharing this as a case study because it is a really amazing result and yeah, it's, <laughs> crazy expectations. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, and he's he's a normal guy from Melbourne. Like he's a really good dude, really good values, like really cares about the environment, um, really cares about other people. Like he actually had concerns about being a property investor because there's all this stigma about that. Um but and I actually know that he like he has a dream to actually kind of create a fund to then share that to be able to have money to be able to share with people um to help you know with conservation and the arts and those kind of things like that's his kind of financial mission so you have that ability to do that kind of thing when you've built wealth for yourself but then similarly like he could then sell that property and have a deposit for a home if that's what he wanted to do from just that one property so it's you you layer that with a couple of properties and obviously they may not all perform as amazingly as that but then you have the optionality. And he just did that, you know, two and a half, three years ago, kind of set and forget. And now a couple of years later, he could do that and he could buy a home if that's what he wanted to do. So it's like putting it into an asset that's going to give you more optionality at some point in the future. Totally. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it's not unreasonable to think that you could build a property portfolio that could deliver you a net total gain of half a million dollars in five to six years. Half, sorry, yeah, half a million dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, which is massive, right? And imagine if you then took that out, even if you liquidated your portfolio, that's going to put you on a massive track to then buy your dream home. So I think that um, I think that it really is the secret that a lot of people are not talking about. A lot of people still get stuck in this idea that all right, what I've got to do in order to secure my future is to buy a home, and you really don't. In fact, I would argue that when you're just starting out, probably one of the worst things you can do is to buy a home first. I really don't think that's the right move. I think that you're going to end up creating a situation where you're stuck in a property that isn't going to be your dream home, that is going to probably perform suboptimally because statistically speaking, you're not going to be in the optimal place uh, for uh, for growth unless you're really, really lucky and it's going to be non-income producing debt and your costs are going to be higher. So you can move faster and smarter if you rent first versus if you buy your own home. Not to say you should never buy your own home, but you should do that once you've built the wealth, uh, in my opinion. So- you built this awesome calculator, and this calculator actually helps people to see how rent vesting compares financially to home ownership. Is that something you can share? In fact, do you want to share your On screen? On my screen? Can yeah. I do that, Neil? You can. Ooh, you can in here. We haven't done that before. No, but this, this could be really first. cool. I, I think this is really cool because it actually, what it actually does is breaks down the actual financial metrics, and we will link this in the show notes. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you're like, okay, well, well, yeah, how is this actually going to work? Then you can actually use this tool to actually kind of see based on your situation, based on how much cash you've got, what is going to make wow. the most amount of sense. Look at that. Ooh, Look that's... at that indeed. So hello, welcome to the Rent Vesting Calculator. Uh, so basically we built this because we wanted to, I say, wait, I built this, um, but Dashdot team wanted to be able to uh, help people to see really comparing the situations that a lot of people are in being currently renting, thinking about doing something with their money, not really sure, potentially buying a home or potentially rent vesting or continuing to rent. So we wanted to build this calculator so that you can plug in some basic numbers. I've tried to keep it as, as simple as possible. Um, plug in some numbers to help you figure out which of these three scenarios actually makes the most sense to you. Uh, so... It feels weird doing this on the podcast because I'm trying to explain what I'm looking at. So we have three columns. If you want to, if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the video on YouTube. Yeah. So yeah, if you're listening to this in audio, <laughs> if you're on Spotify, Jump onto head to YouTube. YouTube. Look YouTube. us up on YouTube. YouTube.com. YouTube.com. Dash dot insider. 
brand vesting. Yeah. And you'll uh, actually see what Gabby's <laughs> talking about, right? It's very hard. We're not going to be able to explain this with enough fidelity no. that you're going to be able to build a picture in your mind. But if you're watching this, so we won't spend too much time here, but let's just kind of quickly walk through it for the people that are listening. Yeah. Hang awesome. in there for the people that are watching. They'll get to see what's going on. I'll do my best. So we've got three columns, basically column one is renting, column two is buying a home, column three is rent vesting. And so we want to just plug in, you can plug in what your uh, deposit amount is. And that's basically how much cash you have available um, to invest if you have anything right now. So the template just starts with zero, but let's say if you said you have $50,000 right now, if I type it in the right field, um, it will actually tell you that you need to continue to rent because you don't actually have a large enough deposit to get started. So even that is helpful to know. Um, and that is based on a couple of extra fields in here where you can plug in what the median house price is, where you would want to buy your home. So in the template, I've just got a million dollars, but that could very well be $2 million. That could be some other number. And then in the other scenario, we've got a field which is for rent vesting, what would the median price be in an area that you would be rent vesting? And so we can compare these, like if you had X amount of dollars for a deposit, could I actually afford to do either of those options or not? Um, but let's say you had a $100,000 deposit. So let's say you had 50000 and then you worked really hard to save and then you went up with $100,000 instead. If you updated that to $100,000, this will actually spit out that you can afford to purchase one uh, $500,000 property that's very, that's very, very rough based on deposits. Very so rough, I, right? Yeah, yeah. I've tried to keep it a really simple calculator. So they're all based on just like rough assumptions. It assumes it's a 20% deposit. Um, and But with a $100,000 deposit, right, that means you can buy a $500,000 investment property. The reason that it's an investment property, because in your area where you want to live, you probably you may not be able to actually buy a home for $500,000, right? Yeah, so could if, the, me- if the median house price in your area is... Two million dollars, you can't afford to buy one. Even yeah. if the median house price in your area is one million dollars, you still can't afford to buy an ev- a home or in your area. So you've got hundred thousand yeah. dollars in cash, you can't afford to buy a home in the area you live where the median house price is a million bucks. But if you went somewhere where the median house price was five hundred thousand dollars or four hundred fifty thousand dollars, could you afford to buy a property? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like that's top level. Like, what could you afford to buy? But it's all, that's just factoring in like pricing and how much you have a deposit. But this also goes to factor in how much you're currently paying rent, right? Because we want to factor that in. If you move into a home, you don't have rent anymore, like a rent cost that you pay a landlord. You do obviously get a mortgage that then becomes a cost. Whereas with rent vesting, you will have a rent cost to pay. So we factor that in as well. And it still spits out because you actually can't afford to buy a home in this situation. It still spits out the rent vesting is the better uh kind of investment what's what's interesting what's, what's interesting about this though is that rent investing it actually calculates the, the the cost of your current rent plus all the costs of the, the investment property ownership and then spits out a position to let you know that for example in this scenario you'd be you'd be better off investing by 20.6 percent yeah right and so so i think this is a really great tool to help you understand what you can do because even if you had let's say you had i might break something here <laughs> nice um, let's say you had just for the point of the discussion. Um, How's that leverage? You know, let's say let's say five hundred thousand dollars, right? Not five million dollars. <laughs> um, you'd be able to buy five investment properties versus say one home. Yeah. In an area, so you're still going to be better off for investing because you could buy five investment properties 
for the price effectively of buying one uh, home. So it's really valuable to kind of work work this out so that you can actually see what is going to be the best financial move because financial advancement is the pathway to the freedom that you desire, right? And that's why it's important. And so making strong financial moves, so I think this calculator is awesome, Gabby, and we, we will link that into the show notes. But making the right financial moves is the key to creating a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. It's very important to remember that make, like the purpose is not making money. You make money so that you can live your purpose, right? And two different things. And so what we want to do is we want to help you to become more educated so that you can make better financial decisions so you can move towards your goals faster. And it's not a zero-sum game, by the way, right? Making money, there's, there's trillions of dollars floating around in the world, right? So all you need to do is get smarter about how you can tap into that almost infinite money supply so you can start to live a better life. And there is no reference that I can find where owning a home is going to be better than rent vesting, um, except for a while. Actually, there's probably like maybe 3% of cases it might be better to own your own home versus rent vesting if the goal is economic advancement. Now, just to be clear though, it's not for everyone. If this really comes down to your values and what's more important, because trying to build wealth faster isn't necessarily the panacea to everything. So in fact, we had someone on our team who did a portfolio growth plan. Um, and if you don't know what that is, we can link to uh, one of the episodes where we talk about portfolio growth plans. Very, very the, the master key to building a portfolio is going to get you to where you want to go. Did a portfolio growth plan, worked out what the best investment strategy would be, worked it all out and said, you know what? It's more important for me to go and buy my own home right now because I want that level of security for my family. That is what's more important to me. That was, and, that, and so that's fine. So what you've got to ask yourself is what is actually the most important thing? Because what we're talking about here is how to create a good life. And if a good life to you is creating that security at the expense of what may be a better financial return, then do that. There's no wrong answer. Like people ask me very regularly, hey, should should I invest or should I buy my own home? And it's, the answer is very, very simple. If you want to make the best financial move, invest. If there's a really strong emotional need for you to own your own home, and to have that kind of you know stability and stuff, your family, then just do that. There's no wrong answer. Only what is right for you and your family and all of that kind of stuff. And so, rent vesting makes the best financial sense. Uh, but you've also got to factor in all of the other things and what's most important to you and your personal values and all of that kind of stuff as well. So, um, do you have any thoughts on that, Gabby? No, I don't. I just think um, you know. I hope I hope we've helped some people to. <laughs> Give them something to think about in their in their situation and thinking about just reprocessing what they think that they need to do or what they think that their goals are in this situation. Like you said, it comes down to individual values and what matters to you as an individual. If you really want to buy a home right now because that is what matters to you more than financial advancement, that is totally okay and you should go for that. Um, but just thinking about from the financial position, you know, we're in this situation because we want to help people to progress their wealth situation and so from a financial position rent vesting really is an amazing tool for people to be able to use whilst also you know being able to live a life that they enjoy and that they love and really fills them up and they get to kind of explore and you know they might think of a version of themselves that lives somewhere and then are able to go and rent there and test that out and like it's just an amazing tool all around on on top of the financial so totally love it so um, if you've got any thoughts on rent vesting, uh, leave us a comment on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a comment below. Let us know your questions. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well. And of course, um, we will link it to the rent vesting calculator in the notes below as well. 
And of course, if you found this episode useful and you want to share it with someone, that'd be great. We would love for you to share it with someone. So hit the share button, hit the like button, and hit the subscribe button as well. But until next time, thanks for joining us and we'll see you on the next episode. Thanks. Bye.